You're listening to the Run Beyond Podcast. My name is Jason Brooks. This week, Jason Schlarb and I sit down with Tim Krause, a member of the Run Beyond Training Community. And Tim shares with us his journey of getting a late stage type 1 diabetes diagnosis, how he overcame that and transitioned into a life not just of health and wealth, but entrepreneurship in the food industry. This is a really fun, really funny podcast episode that we recorded with Tim. I hope that you all enjoy it and find inspiration and meeting in Tim's story and his example. His mindset is one that I think embodies everything that we are trying to inspire through the Run Beyond community. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at the Run Beyond Experience. Jason, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. I was just telling you guys I got to be on a stationary bike and move my leg around a full circle. So I'm really, really happy. But there's even more exciting news. We've got Tim on the podcast. Yes, Tim Krause has joined us. Tim, how are you today? Doing pretty good, guys. Super stoked to be here. That's probably yeah. the worst intro ever, Jason, but you know, it's it's cool, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I'm super super excited to be here. Happy, you know, looking forward to the chat and uh yeah, just super stoked. Awesome. Tim, this story is probably an embellishment, but as I remember it, the first time we met, you were lying on your back in a stretcher <laughs> at the Skyland Trail Race in the Davis Mountains, and you just been Pulled out of, ironically, Hospital Canyon on the Fort Davis National Historic Site. And uh, you you told me, I tripped and I woke up and there were a bunch of people standing around me wondering what was going on. Yeah. And I think you shattered your toe and your foot. And uh, uh, Yeah, man, that was uh, the, the first Sky Island race ever, you know. It, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, you, you captured it perfectly, dude. You know, I, uh, I went out there and I went really, really hard, even though I, you know, wasn't prepared or had any type of running fitness because I hadn't really focused on running in probably close to four years. And, uh, you know, the, the original Sky Island course on the, on the short course, right. If you remember, like you start and immediately start climbing up those stairs, right. <laughs> I mean, not even messing around. And, you know, I was running with a bunch of my buddies who are all like, super athletes and so i'm just like i'm just gonna hang on and once we get to the top it'll be fine but once we got to the top my heart rate was probably at 215 <laughs> and like my vision you know like i was sweating so crazy like i couldn't really see because they're sweating my eyes and you know it wasn't super technical up there really but there was like this one granite step up and i remember seeing it and i was like all right dude just you know it's the step a step up and yeah, I don't know. Next thing I know, I'm looking up and there's somebody, you right, man? And I was like, what the <sighs> hell? What are you talking about? And then like, you know, the, the pain hit me and I was like, and what I think what happened is my my swing leg, you know, that was about to take that step, just kind of like a penalty kick, just nailed that that step, you know, full force. And what ended up happening is, dude, like I shattered all my metadarsals in my toe and my foot. And oh. it, was a, it was a big mess, man. And then wow. like, I hit my head and was bleeding everywhere. It was, it sucked, you know? And then, <laughs> then on top of that, while I'm like, you know, I, I come to and people are like, are you okay? I'm like, you know, trying to be, you know, not it, you know, trying to be somewhat tough at least. I'm like, yeah, you know, you guys just keep running, you know, it's totally fine. You know, I'm going to shake this one off. And, you know, I waited a couple of minutes and I tried to get back out there. 
And immediately I knew, I was like, yeah, my, my day is definitely over. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, okay, I'll just wait here to get rescued, you know? And uh, time goes and goes and nobody's coming. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just start walking back. And, uh, you know, so I got this like gnarly sunburn on top of everything else. And, uh, and then the, the, this, I mean, this mammoth of a human comes out of nowhere and he's like a mountain EMT. It's like the <laughs> biggest human I've seen ever. And he's like, Hey, been looking for you. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I mean, there's only one way in and out of this man. So I don't know, but uh, here I am. He's like, we can either hike out of here, man, or we'll have to call the helicopter. I was like, well, you know, as, as awesome as the helicopter rescue sounds, you know, I feel like that's probably going to be attached to a price tag that's going to chase me for the next 25 years. Yeah. And so he kind of just, you know, like supported me the best he could until we got to a spot where I guess it was like the park rangers or something, right? Where, and they're like, all right, man, this is going to feel silly, but you got to get in this gurney. And so they laid me on this stretcher and just like strapped me in. You know, like to the point where it's like almost cut off circulation, but then they just carried me up and down this trail. Like it was wild. All of a sudden I was like, man, I don't feel that bad. Maybe I can just walk. And they're like, nope, once you're on a stretcher, it's pretty much you're done here, man. We got the rest. Yeah. And that was, yeah, we, that was it. <laughs> we have these like 20 year old firefighter EMTs out of Houston that run a, a side hustle, Sentinels, Sentinels search and rescue or safety and rescue. And they come out and do all that that it's like the best thing ever for us as race directors. Cause we're like, just, you got this, go find them, bring them back. And how far are you in? What, what mile is this man? Like mile three. Wow. <laughs> no, maybe, wow. maybe mile two. <laughs> so that, yeah, that year you mentioned the sunburn. We had a sunburn contest that year. The it's the high mountain desert out there in the Davis mountains. And um, the race course is pretty exposed and that's the hottest year we've ever had so far. And I think folks just like weren't prepared for it and they were running around in tank tops or shirtless and <clears throat> out there for two, three, four hours, five hours. And the sunburns were Legit. legendary. We had a, we actually did a whole Lululemon giveaway for whoever, whoever posted the best sunburn photos and we let the community vote on it on social media. It was, it was classic. And and I think what what happens to a lot of people out there, man, is it's just like, unless you know, you don't really respect the Texas altitude. You know, you're like Texas, you know, yeah, it's in the mountains, but come on. Like, I mean, come on. How how crazy can it be? Dude, it's legit, man. Like, yeah, of course, it's not Colorado or, you know, any anywhere else where there's, you know, a huge mountain. But for Texas, let me tell you, that it's legit. Like, you're up there, man. You can feel it. And the sun up there is is hot. You know, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, you know, unless you know, you just most likely don't fully respect it. Yeah, it's 5,000 feet at the start finish, and then yeah. and then we climb climbs up to around 6,500. Yeah, wow. yeah that's plenty of elevation to get you sunburned, man. Heck yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, so Tim has been back every year, he's a he's like an original gangster for Skyland, you've run it every year. And, and you're now the owner of the tagline for Skyland, which is nothing else matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's one of those things, you know, we, we all do a lot of races in all different places and a lot of awesome races. But for me personally, like, I don't know what it is about, you know, that particular event, you know, you guys have just managed to put it together in a way where it's just like, for me personally, at least, you know, it's like, I don't care what it's going to take. I'm going to get there every single year. I don't care where I live. I don't care what I have to do to me. That is just like, that is 
that's the only thing that matters when it comes to racing. You know, it's a, uh, and you know, it's, and it's, you know, not that it's like a, the equivalent of a hundred miler, but like the feeling you get, even at that shorter distance in that terrain and with those people there, it's just like, I haven't found anything that can match it, you know? And so it's, again, you know, nothing else, when it comes to Sky Island, to me, nothing else matters, you know? And my, my wife knows that and she doesn't love that, but, you know, she knows it <laughs> because it's like an absolute priority for me every year. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll unless I can't think of a situation where I would ever miss, miss uh, the Sky Island. Man, race. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to be there this year. Tim, tell me how it felt to go back the next year and like go up the stairs, you know, like that was pretty big trauma. That's a big deal. Like what, what was, what was the experience like? Oh. Dude. Yeah, man. So I, I was super nervous going in there because, you know, expectations are even higher than before. I trained three times as hard, you know, like I was as ready as I could have been. And then like, I, you know, I didn't pay any attention to any of the emails that were sent out prior. You know, I was like, I don't want to jinx. Like, I'm just focused. I know what I got to do done. But the course actually got changed. And so, like, that part of the, the you know, the park where those stairs were, like, that actually got eliminated for for the people running that distance, you know, the distance <laughs> I was running. And so I was like, you know, but I was, I was, it was one of those races, man. Like, I was so in the zone. Like, it didn't matter, you know, like, it just didn't matter. And so... You know, I, I went out there and I just, you know, Sky Islands is one of the, the few places where I can truly say, like, I leave everything out there. I go 110 percent. Like when I cross that finish line, like it, like it's just like everything sucks for that minute because it's just like I cannot go one inch further. And so it was it was, you know, we I called it my sweet redemption at a. Uh, at Sky Island, number one, because I, I completed the race, you know, that was, that was big, but, and also I just felt very competitive, very good. You know, I didn't have a, a super stellar performance, but I just felt in control at a, at a very hard effort, if that makes sense. And that's, that's a great feeling, you know, and, uh, and yeah. And so every year, you know, try to go out there and get better and better. And some years I do, most years I don't, but, uh, you know, the years where I do, it's just, it's just amazing. So. Awesome. Glad you had the 25 K there this year is your big goal race and a big part of why you're in the community. Now you've got a spot at the Indian lodge. You're in the race, which is sold out. What, what is your goal and your approach for this year? Yeah, man. So, you know, as far as training goes, you know, just gotta, for me personally, you know, like I, I've been running long enough now. Like I, I understand how I respond to, to altitude at all different, you know, levels. I understand how I respond to, to heat, you know, which all play a big factor in, in that race. And so for me, my buildup probably needs to be, you know, maybe twice or even 2.5 times as long as, you know, maybe your average runner, simply because of the, the person that I am, you know, like on top of just, you know, gaining fitness, I'm also always have, to, I'm a type one diabetic. So that's something that I, you know, always throws a wrench into it right especially when it's anything longer than than a 10k right so anytime i get into a racing situation where i'm most likely going to have to consume you know some type of calories like that's when all of a sudden it's like ah you know shit i'm a diabetic now i'm going to manage this and so like you know like when you're a a diabetic runner a type 1 diabetic runner that you know, runs longer distances. It's like, you'll have this amazing progress, you know, like just four weeks of solid build, but then like, you know, something happens that nobody can explain. And you just have like shitty blood sugar for, you know, a week or 10 days for no, for no reason whatsoever. And that like, you know, that just resets the bar. Right. So like you take three steps forward and then an event happens and you take one step back. And so 
I just know for myself, you know, like I got to have a really long buildup and get just a lot of miles in to have, you know, the perfect condition, you know, as far as like fitness goes on race day. And so, you know, when I saw you guys are putting together just this community and this group, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. You know, I know, you know, I've, I mean, I, you know, you and Mallory, you know, I've, I followed for a long time, Jason, you, you as well, you know, out there in Colorado. And it's like, you know, these people coming together and putting something together is like, feels right you know let's let's just get after it so that's that's kind of the, the idea awesome man I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the type 1 diabetes part of the equation for you so when did you find out that you were a type 1 diabetic dude I mean it's it's a story in itself I'll 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 tell you the story and condense it to a couple minutes man I found out when I was 28 years old which is you know somewhat unusual for type one diabetes, you know, people or doctors will tell you that it's, you know, majority a thing in, you know, in young children or, you know, kids in the, between the ages of, you know, born and 10 years old. So, you know, it'd be late, late stage onset type one diabetic is, uh, it's, it's starting to become more common, but it's still, still pretty rare. And, you know, the, the way we found out was, you know, I'd been, I'd been sick about a year and a half leading into the, the, the the diagnosis, but I was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, it's fine. It's stress. You know, I was working, you know, in technology in Austin, Texas, which was like super hot and super stressful. It's like, you know, Austin, Texas at the time was kind of like wall street, you know, like it was just yeah. hot and either you work 90 hours a week or, you know, you're nobody. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I was like, you know, I was, we're young and, you know, have kids to support. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the work, you know, to get the reward. I don't, I don't care. And, and when it started, you know, when I started getting sick, I kind of just like, ah, oh, you know, like I was traveling the world for work, you know, I was in, in Europe every other week, I was in Asia, you know, every week after that, I was in Australia, like, I just blamed it kind of on jet lag and, and what have you. And when I first started noticing that I was kind of sick, dude, like, one of the side effects of untreated diabetes is, is weight loss. And, you know, being 27, going out and drinking, you know, 10 beers and eating two pizzas and then waking up the next day and being down a pound. Like I wasn't mad about it, you know, like I was like, right on, you know, it sounds like something in a Stephen King novel. Yeah. Dude, I was, you know, I was like two pants sizes down, dude. I was, you know, like I was looking good for a little while, you know, it's like you have this little, what I call the honeymoon window where you don't really feel awesome, but you're looking good, you know? Okay. So I was kind of just riding that wave, but it just got to the point where like my eyesight was going out. Like I would get a cut and it wouldn't heal. I would try to exercise and I just felt so terrible. Like anytime I, I you know, my, my heart would get, my heartbeat would get elevated. And, uh, you know, it got just really, really bad. And my wife was like, hey man, you know, you got to go to the doctor. And at that point I was like, I'd convinced myself, you know, that, that I was really sick and I didn't want to find out, you know, because I, you know, consulted Dr. Google and, and Dr. Google was like, hey, your diagnosis is you're, I mean, you got a week at best, you know, you're about to die. Terminal. So I, my wife was like, go, go to the doctor and get it figured out. And I uh, hate Dr. Google. So I would tell her that I went, to, <laughs> oh, it's the worst, man. We got to shut him down. And, uh, and, and so I would tell my wife that I went to the doctor, but I didn't. And she's like, well, what did the doctor say? And I was like, oh, you know, just stress and, you know, just stress, need to relax more. You know, she's pretty much like, you just, you know, I need to do less and you need to do more around the house. <laughs> and she's like, man, let me talk to your doctor, dude. Your doctor sounds stupid. And I was like, no, 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 you can't. You know, it's family doctor. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And, uh, 
and anyways, and then just one night, it just all kind of came to a head. You know, I, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt terrible and uh, I stumbled into the kitchen. And the next time I opened my eyes, I had, you know, it was a couple of days later and I was in the ICU and there's a nurse like adjusting tubes in my body. And I was like, what, what the, you know, where the hell am I? And she's like, oh, this is, this is the first thing she said. She's like, oh. It's good to see you. We weren't sure you're going to come back. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's like, don't touch me. So I started panicking a little bit. There was nobody else in the room. And I was like, you know, you kind of understand immediately, like, okay, this is a some sort of medical setting, right? Obviously. But uh, I just had no idea. And, you know, I had a catheter in and like, just crazy. And, uh, and then, you know, like Susan comes in and the doctor and they're like, hey, hey, you know, it's, it's cool, man. All's good. Take it easy. You know, you're, you know, you're diabetic now. Yeah, we found out you're type 1 diabetic. And I was like, what? It didn't make any sense. You know, nobody in my family is diabetic. And I didn't really know anything about diabetes. And it just, it just didn't make sense. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how I found out. Man, that's, 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 that's wild. Yeah, man. And, uh, and, you know, they're just like, yeah, but, you know, it's just diabetes, man. Don't worry about it, man. You can live a normal life. And I was like, well, okay, cool. Easy enough. Try that. And, uh, you know, it's actually not quite, quite that simple. Um, you know, my best example of how simple it's not to live a normal life is you know, when I left the, uh, the hospital that the day I got out, you know, I weighed uh, 140 pounds and, uh, you know, 13 months later I weighed 254 pounds. And so it's like, obviously going down the, the path of normal life didn't, didn't really work. So, yeah. That's stuff. wild. Yeah. So, so then you like, let's talk, I want to talk about what's not, what's not normal for you. So probably like two pizzas and 10 beers, uh, you know, if you called that normal, that's off the table. How, like, how have you had to adapt just in your life and in your training to, to still function as a human yeah. and be an athlete while dealing with type one diabetes? Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a lot of trial and error, you know, and I mean, working through just massive amounts of frustrations, you know, it's uh, starting to get into exercise, especially running as a type one diabetic, you know, that's new to diabetes is really, really frustrating because, you know, like you're like, you know, I'm motivated, I want to run. And at first I started getting back into running to just to lose weight. And, uh, and, you know, I would go on a one mile run and you know, I was, my, my blood sugar would just crash so hard that I would, you know, I would have burned, I burned 80 calories, but I need to consume hundred grams of sugar. So I don't die because of low blood sugar, you know? So it was like super counterproductive. And so the frustrations were just at an all time high, but you know, just through, through trial and error and just like, just this warrior spirit of just like, you know, you just got to get it done. Do not give up. You know, you're going to get kicked in the nuts 47 times. And it's one of those things you got to get up for that 48th time. And, you know, it sounds really silly and, but it, it totally applied in this situation. And, and as we're kind of going through this, this journey of figuring it out, you know, my, my wife is just, I mean, she's the real MVP, you know, she is, I don't know. She's been, has always had that vision as like when, as far, when it comes to nutrition of like, what's good, what's bad and, and what have you. And so she's kind of like, you know, Hey, let's just, you know, tighten, let's, let's just not do what's quote unquote normal. You know, let's, let's put the pizza down and let's just uh, kind of dial it back and, and see what we can do, you know? And so we kind of like 
changed our nutrition from, you know, your average American diet, if that's what you want to call it, to, you know, like a, a paleo diet, because that was like super sexy at the time. You know, everybody was doing paleo and CrossFit and slamming kombuchas. Yeah. So, like, you know, we, we kind of <laughs> took that and, and, and then applied it to, to us. And that, dude, believe it or not, you know, everything in paleo, ex the kombucha actually, you know, worked really well, you know, and like my, my fitness was coming back. I was able to lose weight, my blood sugar, everything was, you know, positive about the experience. But uh, it, it kind of plateaued. And, you know, even though I felt significantly better than I ever have, I, I just still, I wasn't where I wanted to be. I certainly was nowhere close to where I was, you know, back in the day from a fitness standpoint and, and like just a, a weight standpoint. And uh, and so again, you know, it's like, okay, if paleo's pretty badass and it works for a lot of people, but, you know, it, it just stopped working for me, I guess. And uh, And so again, you know, like, you know, talking to Susan and we kind of looking like what, what's the next best thing, I suppose, you know, we, we kind of came across this, this thing, you know, the keto way of eating, ketogenic way of eating. And at the time, you know, like it wasn't super cool. Like there was nothing at retail that qualified as keto, you know, nobody was talking about it. You know, people were, the only thing people were saying about it is like, oh, it's the worst fat kills you, you know, all that kind of yeah. South Beach diet mentality. And, uh, you know, so I wasn't, you know, we're talking about it and I was, wasn't sure, but you know, like at the end of the day, the number, you know, the biggest thing about that particular way of living is like, you just don't eat carbs. And it's like, as a type one diabetic, that, that makes sense. You know, like as a human being, I can see why comprehending not eating carbs is probably a little bit of a challenge because just everything we eat has carbs in it. But as a type one diabetic, you know, I was like, yeah, I mean, let's, I mean, let's give it a go. You know, what's, what's the worst thing that can happen? And, uh, and so, you know, really Susan was like the driving force, you know, she just changed our, you know, home paleo kitchen into a ketogenic kitchen and we just started crushing it immediately. And, uh, I mean, within a couple of days, you know, result, the results showed, you know, more energy, continued dropping weight, you know, and it's just like just feeling for a while there, just really just feeling bulletproof, you know, just like you get in this, you know, I got, or I got into the state of ketosis where it's just like, I don't fucking care what the challenge is today. Watch me crush it, right? And, uh, and <laughs> you know, was, you, and I, and I, awesome. get, I got addicted. I got addicted to feeling that awesome, you know. And so it's like, all of a sudden, when you're just feeling good all the time, and when you're just when you you know when your output is so so huge, but it doesn't feel like a real effort, you know, you kind of just lose track of time. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh wow, we've been doing this for you know a year, and and you know everybody's benefiting from it, and so. That's how we kind of address the diabetes, and uh, and yeah, it's been working well. What's what's the cliff notes for for everybody? You know the difference between your key, your your paleo approach and keto. What was the big change there? Yeah, man, and uh, it's a. Uh, so, you know, so in paleo, you're still eating, you know, carbs and what have you, but really what you're eliminating is refined sugar and, and, uh, and grains. Right. And so the, one of the biggest things for, for us, when we made the switch was, you know, we are huge fans and lovers of almond flour tortillas and almond flour chips and stuff like that, you know? And so like, that was our, our biggest change was, you know, we got away from, you know, eating anything really with, with carbohydrate, you know, like our, you know, where, maybe I was eating 75 to hundred grams of, of carbs a day when I was doing, you know, eating the paleo way of living. When we switched to the ketogenic side of it, you know, it went from, from a hundred to, you know, 20 at, at the very most. Right. So that's, that's the, I mean, that's the biggest change that we uh, had to ad adapt to. And, uh, 
you know, when I say it out loud, it always sounds like, man, yeah, that is, that is a pretty big change. But when you're actually doing it and like you're going through the motions, especially in the beginning, it's, it's not that big of a deal. You know, you got to just slow down and you just got to kind of think about what you're doing, you know, like that, you know, what that habit that everybody gets into is like, oh, you know, I'm experiencing a little bit of hunger and you just don't really think about it. You go in the pantry, boom, plug something from the shelf, eat it, done. You know, you got to change that, that, uh, I guess, point of view a little bit, but besides that, it's, it's, it's pretty smooth transition. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Are, are you still eating vegetables then, Tim? Or oh yeah. Dude, we do, yeah. Dude, you know, we, I have lots of vegetables, especially, you know, as I'm now, you know, building up my training where, you know, like, you know, a lot of people will tell you different things. You know, what, when, when I talk about keto, I'm telling you what works for me, right? right. Just because it works for me, I don't know, might not work for you guys or, or anybody else that, that, you know, that's listening. But, uh, you know, at least it gives you a, a place to start if that's even something that you're looking for. But, yeah, no, I uh, crush vegetables. Absolutely. You know, and my, my philosophy is like even though my goal might only be, you know, to consume 20 grams of carbs a day, like during like training builds, you know, yeah, that can go up to 30 and 40, but then I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to, how am I going to consume these 40 grams of carbs? And it'll be vegetables mainly. Right. Um, And when I say vegetables, you know, it's like, I don't eat potato or sweet potato. I'll eat, you know, been just crushing the Brussels sprout game lately and like the cauliflower game. And and so that's, that's where my carbs come from usually. Okay. Awesome. How about race fueling? You know, I know how Jeff Browning and Zach Bitter and Mike McKnight, you know, I've, I've, I've insight with them. Yeah. I'm curious what you do. Dude. Yeah. So um, it, it, it depends, right? So on, on anything, you know, like I would say 10 K 10 K and below, you know, I, there's no, I mean, there's no nutrition during that race. You know, I'll eat a, eat a breakfast and then just go, you know, yeah. hammer it out and after the race, I eat some, but anything longer. So I'll actually, what I'll do, man, and uh, it gets a little nasty sometimes, but I'll like, you know, for example, last year I ran a ran a hundred miler and I just, you know, in my bag, I carried a, a Ziploc bag of, of bacon, you know, that I would eat or the aid stations would, uh, would have, you know, I guess pickles and stuff like that. So I'll just load up on that. And then the only carbohydrates that I did consume during, you know, during longer efforts will be like, I have really fallen in love with this product by Spring Energy. You know, like they make like a, a gel that has obviously has carbs in it, but it's like super clean. And I feel like those carbs are not, you know, those are good carbs, quote unquote. Right. And so it's like I'll burn through them really quickly and nice. they really don't have an impact on my on my baseline at all. And, you, you know, at these extent, the speed nut then. Oh, love it, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, everything, <laughs> that those, everything that those guys make, I, I love it's uh, yeah, at times it's a little bit of a problem because it's like, you know. When it comes to the gels, like those guys are a little bit higher end when it comes to cost. And it's really easy to, you know, like buy gels from them for a hundred mile. And it's like, oh my God, this $200, you know, <laughs> so but they're so good. And yeah, uh, yeah. You know, got to show something strange. <laughs> you know what I, what I say to a lot of athletes, I, I happen to use spring exclusively as well, but like not a sales pitch or anything, but it's like, you, I approach it as, you know, you spend a lot of time and effort and passion and, and joy and sacrifice, you know, and, and I will, I will sometimes see athletes and be like, Hey, you know, for this long run, we need to train, uh, you know, practicing fueling and you need, you need to eat at that rate that you would for the, for the race or something. And be like, Oh, you know, that's going to be like 20 bucks. You know, it's like, 
come on now you spend how many hours every day every single week it's yeah. worth it you know let's let's say it was your birthday you go out and have a special dinner or something that you know that do that for this you know and, and i'm in the same boat man in in you know i i'm a cheap guy and i'm a penny pincher and i'd be like oh i can get through this long run with you know x amount of calories but then you don't recover or whatever so and using the best is is awesome you know and, and trail running isn't like mountain biking or you know skiing or something it's not that expensive so i yeah right I'm glad, yeah yeah I, I know what you're talking about though 200 bucks to go yeah. run 100 <laughs> and, and you know it's 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 you you see that you're going to spend that money and then like you said jason's like oh man you know it's like what if i were to only you know, I was planning on eating every hour, but maybe we'll just do every 90 minutes, you know, which which at the time, like when you're looking at the cost, you know, it seems like that's a reasonable thing to do. But then very quickly, you know, at any at any distance, really, you're just like, oh, shit, I've made a terrible mistake, you know, like, yeah. and now I got to decide, like, do I want to bonk now or later? But I ain't going to bonk, you know, there's no question. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, those guys from Spring, you know, they – it's just, I mean, you know, and I, I track my blood sugar, you know, like every, I mean, every five minutes if I wanted to, right, you know, very regularly. And even though, you know, their products contain carbs, like it just, it, it's just a mellow, it's, I don't even know how to describe it, man. Like if you were to slam a bag of chips, like if you would think of a graph, like your blood sugar would just go straight up, you know, just like imagine a rocket taking off. And then your body's response to that is to release insulin and then that line will come down. Right. For me, if I were to slam a bag of chips, like that line would just go up and never stop because I, my body doesn't produce insulin. Right. But when I consume those spring, uh, spring packets, you know, especially during long races, like I most of the time don't even give myself any insulin to like offset their carb count because it's just like such a clean burning carb, I suppose, you know, that my body can just break it down immediately and turn it into energy. And, uh, and I haven't found any other products in, you know, in that space that can do the same. And I've tried, you know, like I've tried with all the guys. I mean, what, like Cliff, Power Gel, I mean, all of them, you know, and it's just spring energy, just my body responds the best to. And so it's really, you know, regardless of cost, it's a no brainer. If I'm going to be committed to success, I, I want to work with the best. So Good. Good for you, man. Do you look for lower glycemic sugar sources when you're going to consume them for a race or for an intense training bout? Yeah, totally, dude. Uh, you know, being, you know, so for me specifically being diabetic and really trying to stick to a, a keto way of, of living, you know, like glycemic index, like that is, that is my Bible, right? Like I totally understand that, you know, especially at any higher intensity, like you're going to have to consume, or I will at least going to, I will have to consume some type of carb. Otherwise my blood sugar will just tank. It's just unavoidable. You know, my body just doesn't have that ability to to, you know, maintain level blood sugar without, you know, help. And, uh, and, you know, just to dive a little bit further into that piece, for example, like you two guys have work in pancreases that will secrete insulin into your bloodstream, you know, as needed. But also what your body can do is like your pancreas will release that insulin into your body. And so let's say you have some insulin flowing around. If your body realizes, Hey, I actually don't need that insulin. Your body can turn that insulin off. Where when I inject insulin into my body, it's in there until it's metabolized, which is like, you know, anywhere from depending on intensity, you know, it could be like an hour, it could be three hours, right? And so like in order for me not to, you know, crash and burn, I'll always, you know, especially at high intensity, we'll consume some type of low glycemic carbohydrate just to be able to stay level when it comes to comes to blood sugar. Yeah. 
Yeah. And regardless of your approach for nutrition and stuff, it's good to understand this and, and, you know, see what that means and what, you know, the glycemic and the insulin and how the whole body works with that. So appreciate you sharing that. And so people yeah. can get a little bit more education versus just, you know, listening to what friends said and, you know, the, the, the generalizations about, oh, low carb, what is that, uh, whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. This this really good. Thank you. Totally, man. And then like, you know, and if you're, and the, the one thing I've learned, you know, having to just monitor my nutrition, you know, like a psychopath, really, because everything I eat affects me in a, in a way, you know, I, there's never one, one thing that I put into my body that I don't have to think about, if that makes sense, right? It doesn't matter when, how, where, like everything that I consume outside of water, I have to think about how it's going to affect my body because it all, it all does. But what that, so and taking that really like close look at nutrition, you know, like I've learned the one thing I've learned many things, but like the one thing is like having your nutrition locked in is, you know, even if you have a bad race, that particular race, like in the long run, that is going to be the ticket, man. Like fitness yeah. will be 50% and the other 50% for longevity, as far as being successful and going hard is going to be nutrition. doesn't matter who you are, what you say, you'll never convince me otherwise. Yeah. You told us the story about what your diet was like and, and boozing and pizza and all that stuff, man. And, you know, now, you know, you are, you are, have such an education and understanding and, and to be able to, un, you know, really learn what your body does and how it acts and reacts and finding that right solution. I mean, even if you didn't have type one diabetes, I mean, that's, that's a bit of a gift. I don't want to like downplay how tough it is for you and what, you know, you have to deal with. But I mean, that is, that's pretty awesome. And it's, it, I, 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 you know, that's a great thing. Yeah. It's you guys like, uh, you know, athlete, not an athlete. If I could give everybody one piece of advice for life, it's just like, get a check on your nutrition. doesn't yeah. matter what you want to do in life. doesn't matter who you are. It, it'll make the difference that when you get into that, you know, when you get older, you know, that engine, which is your body is going to, you know, those miles are going to accumulate and they're going to show where there's just doesn't matter how much Botox you get and how much this and that you do. It doesn't matter. Those miles are going to accumulate. And then what is going to matter is like, what type of fuel did you put into that engine? That's going to decide on how long that engine is going to run. Yeah. Yeah. So. That, that health is wealth, man. And, and, you know, I wish I could turn the clock back and I, you know, I used to, I was a collegiate D one runner and I was like, ah, I can put trash in here because I'm running so much and I'm so fit. Mm. And it's like, I know now that wow, my system does hell of a lot better on the not pizza and ten beers, um, you know, than you know eating well and, and understanding what's best for my body. I, I wish, I wish I could go back to college and run with a you know a reasonable yeah. diet, man. It would it'd be such a gift. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah, you know, in, in my early twenties, I was really focused on, you know, racing Ironman triathlon and, and my standard food, like, you know, transitioning from the bike to the run in the transition zone would be two pop tarts and a Red Bull, you know, yeah. like that was my, like, this is how I'm going, this is how I'm going to win this race is with this, this <laughs> is my nutrition, you know? And, and just now, like, when I think about that, like, I mean, I'd probably just DNF, you know, before I would ever go down that path again, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. just like, goodness <laughs> yeah it can work yeah. and there's pros that do eat like that still you know but it's like totally. it, there's there's so much more advantage and it's not just a uh yeah it's 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 truly an advantage and i felt it it's it's i, I can't deny it 
And yeah, and to your point, you know, there are pros that eat like that and they're successful like that. But then, you know, I kind of look back and it's like, well, by the time that person is 60 and I'm 60, I'm be smoking them every single time because their body. <laughs> right. Well, and said, that, yep. that, that bad fuel has made this engine weak, you know, where, where my engine that's only getting, you know, the premium fuel is, is going to continue humming. It's cumulative. <laughs> it's cumulative for sure, man. Indeed. Yes. It's longevity. And it's a question of what you're leaving on the table at every turn. It's like, sure, you can, some people, they have, uh, you know, the health reserve right now to get through that kind of torture that they put on their body. But at some point that the dividends stop paying out. Yeah, man. Just, you know, when you're young and you're, you're just abusing your body with training hard and eating trash, you know, it's like you have that, you know, the thing that you have on your side is, is the fact that you're young, you know, you that, that is the, the catalyst to, to being successful when in, during that stage. But I hate to say it, man, like that catalyst is going to go away. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's going to go away. And then you're just, you know, not much left than to count on besides, you know, nutrition to me, I think. You're out of the high stress tech industry in Austin now, and you're yeah. actually a food entrepreneur and yeah. you own a business with your wife making ice cream. How, how did you get into ice cream and, and how is your ice cream different? Yeah. So this is one of my favorite stories ever because, you know, like I, I, I'm lucky enough to identify myself within our company as one of the co-founders, but that is only because I'm married to the real founder. If you know what I mean? Like <laughs> people, like, oh my God, how did you, how did you come up with Mammoth Creamers? And I was like, I, I didn't, like I did not. I, uh, I am a, I have average smarts at very best. I couldn't, you know, like I have no idea how you would come up with something like that. It was really my wife. And, you know, the way Susan came up with it is like, as we're living this low carb way of, of eating and living, you know, like you don't really miss much and you don't have all the cravings, but you know, I don't know, like we have a bunch of little kids. And so, you know, they're eating desserts and it's like, God, I want some desserts, you know, and like, you know, and especially in Texas where it's just like hot eight months of the year, ice cream is just like a very... A natural thing to to want to eat, I guess. And uh, you know, I was like, God, you know, I wish we could find some, you know, no sugar ice cream or keto ice cream, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you know, we started looking around, and we just couldn't find any. You know, it got to the point where I was like, I was going into the dark web, and I was like, I don't even care what it costs, I will get it. But you just can't, right? And so Susan was like, Hey, I'll just, I'll just make some, you know. And I was like, Okay, well, I guess it, you know, you can try, but since you can't buy it, it must not be possible. And uh, she started making it at home, you know, like a Cuisinart tabletop ice cream machine, I guess, if that's what you're going to call it. And uh, it turned out pretty good, you know. Uh, and so we're just eating ice cream every day and, you know, still never would have thought about starting a business. And, and uh, what what happened is actually like what was the final decision was, you know, I'd taken this ice cream to work and I was actually, I'd left tech and I was working already in food for a local Austin company that was pretty badass. And, and you know, I was eating that uh, quote unquote keto ice cream at work and people were like, oh, you know, what, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's sugar-free ice cream. And like, oh, that sounds great. Where do you get that? And I was like, well, you, you don't get that anywhere. You know, Susan makes that. <laughs> and and so as I was taking this ice cream to work almost every day in these in, in just Tupperwares, keeping the freezer, people were starting to steal the ice cream, you know, because <laughs> they're like, can I have can I have some ice cream? I'm like, oh man, you know, no, I don't want to be a dick, but like, you know, my wife makes this, this specialty for my diet. Like, it's like one of those things, you know, it's like, 
it's, it's, it's a little bit even messed up to ask, I guess. But so it's like, <laughs> like, you know, no, you can't have any. I'm very sorry. And, uh, and so people were just like, okay, cool. Well, you're, you're telling us no means nothing. And we're just going to take it when you don't pay attention. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so thievery was going on around the office. And I was like, this is so messed up, man. And so I was kind of like staking out, you know, the, the freezer in the, in the office. And, and uh, man, I busted one of the people doing it cold handed, dude. I busted that dude and he didn't even feel bad, you know, and he was actually the, the founder of said company I was working for. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? He's like, dude, well, you just don't share. And this is so good. It's, you know, it's fucked up. You don't share with us. And I was like, oh my God. I see why you would say that. But when you're in my shoes, you know, where this is like a very specialized thing just for me, I'm like, no, it's not, you know, this is, God, you're caught. You know, what, what do you have to say for yourself? And he's just like, well, you should just start an ice cream company. This is really good. And I was like, <laughs> I've actually no interest in ever starting a company, you know, like I'm diabetic. We have four children. We have a mortgage. Like we can't take on any risk. And like, just like, I need health insurance, you know, like start a company. Like what kind of millennial thing is that to say, <laughs> you know, get, get out of here. Give me my ice cream back. And uh, so I go home and I'm talking to Susan. She's like, how was your day? You know? And I was like, oh, you know, it was, was fine. You know? And I, I identified the culprit and I was like, this person has been stealing the, the ice cream. And uh, he thinks that we should start an ice cream company. You know, what an idiot. And uh, and Sue was kind of like, yeah, 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 what an idiot. Ha ha. Anyways, fast forward to the next day. I come home from work and she's like, I'm starting a company called Mammoth Creamers. It's going to be an ice cream company and you can help me or you can't. But this is what I'm doing. And I was like, oh, my God, worst idea ever. <laughs> what are you thinking? Like, we don't have the resources. You know, like ice cream is super expensive to, to make, you know, like what? Like, this is going to ruin us. Anyways, so, you know, I was already selling food and I was like, well, you know, I can at least try to sell some of this ice cream just to show her that nobody will ever buy this. And, uh, you know, I, I go into a meeting of a national retailer that's headquartered here in Austin and these MFers, they laughed me out of the room. They're like, sugar-free ice cream? Never. This is dumb. Nobody's ever going to buy this. Get out. Never come back. And I was like, oh, wow that you know very hurtful got it you know I'm out of here. and so after that you know i was like okay this is you know it, it it happened exactly as i thought it would this would never work but i, I on my way home i stopped at a, a local co-op in austin texas called a wheat's will and i walk in you know tupperware of ice cream and i'm like hey this is what we're trying to do anybody into it and those guys were like oh hell yeah dude for sure man like we'll take it today and i was like oh shit you know we're making this at home like it's not even like legally, I can't even sell you this. And legally, you can't sell this to your customers. <laughs> and they're like, well, we'll get your shit together, man. Like, let's do it. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, so I went went home and told Susan and we like rented a commercial kitchen and we started, you know, liquidating some saving accounts to like buy a commercial ice cream machine. And all of a sudden, you know, like I was going to work during the day, coming home, you know, doing dinner, hanging with the kids, putting them to bed. And then like, 9 p.m. till 3 a.m. Monday through Friday, we were making ice cream, you know, and it's like, and then on the weekends, we would deliver that ice cream. And so, you know, it was, it was crazy, guys. Like, it was just so crazy. Like people, like it was selling out everywhere we were getting into. And this is just super small scale, you know, like the little co-ops here and there and some of the bodegas, but like, it was crazy. Like it got to the point where I'm like, Sue, like we gotta, we gotta think about this. Like either we're going to go full time or we got to shut this down. Like I cannot continue working like this. Like I go to work during the day. I go to work at night. Like 
we're, we're providing a quote unquote health food, but I'm unhealthier than I've ever been because I don't sleep. I drink coffee only, you know, like <laughs> I eat only ice cream, which, yeah, it's good for you, but everything has a limit, you know? And, uh, and so I was like, we gotta, we gotta figure this out. And it was that exact day guys. And I kid you not, you can't make this shit up. I get an email from the company, from the retailer that I first went to, to introduce the concept They laughed me out of the building. And they're like, Hey, we, uh, we picked some of this ice cream up uh, at the, at the local co-op, uh, it's so great. You know, can, can you guys have it to us? You know, let's say, I don't know, as soon as possible. And in my head, I want to be like, yeah, you know, go to hell. F you. Who do you think you are? But, you know, the reality is like, oh, my God, you know, like, yeah, totally. You know, it'll be there tomorrow. And uh, it wasn't there tomorrow, you know, because also at the time we were so small scale. We're making it ourselves. You know, we're like buying pints of Amazon and making stickers on like a die cut machine that we had bought at like the Goodwill. And, and so these guys are like, you know, we want $40,000 worth of ice cream. And we're just like, you know, I'm a salesman. I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Totally. <laughs> and so that was the day before Thanksgiving. And they're like, you know, we wanted January 1st. And I was like, yeah, holidays, you know, we don't have packaging. We don't have a manufacturer. I was like, don't worry about it, guys. Consider it done. And so Susan and I just, you know, like I, I called the, my, my job. And I was like, hey, I'm out. I'm quitting. You know, you guys can go to hell. And uh, we just start doing ice cream, you know, with, with everything to lose. And we found a manufacturer and we found packaging and we, you know, we liquidated every single asset that we had to pay for this. And we, we got that product on the shelf there. And, you know, the, I guess the rest is history. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's yeah. the best story ever, man. That's great, man. Dude, it's so crazy, you know, because we, and, you know, still, we still have everything to lose, but it's just like, you know, as a, as an adult, you know, with children and, you know, like, you know, I mean, you guys have children, you know what it is like your number one priority is like my kids are safe. They have everything they need. My kids should never suffer because I'm selfish and I want to do things for myself. Right. Like yeah. to a certain extent, I feel like that's a, that's an okay thing to say. And, and we are just, I mean, there was a guys, there was like probably 12 week period where if, if one thing would have gone wrong, we, we would have lost the house would have lost. I mean, we would have lost it all with absolutely nothing to fall back on. And, and, you know, that situation, super motivating, you know, to like go hard, <laughs> take no prisoners, you know, people are like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is for our store. And I was like, listen, I don't give a shit what you know. And you don't know. This is what I'm telling you. You're going to take this and this is going to sell trust me and and you know some people trusted me most of them didn't shocker but uh the, the ones that did were just you know it was just enough support where we were able to you know i would flick the switch in the kitchen the lights would come on i was like hell yeah that check cleared today awesome <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, yeah man i i dude i remember tim you sending me some man and and i was uh just yeah. so tired of just making hot cocoa with milk and, you know, some cinnamon. It was like, you, you know, when it was warm outside or I wanted that ice cream because I love ice cream. That was so nice. It's so awesome, man. So I, I, I can vouch for the, for how badass yeah. the ice cream you, was, you, Jason, you know, both, both of you, Jason's actually were super, super early supporters. You know, I know I remember we sent you some out to – Colorado, I think Jason was, and then one of the local stores they were selling at here uh, was People's Pharmacy, and I think it was like Mallory that one time had like sent me a, a text message like, "Hey, I saw name of Freeman's, you know, People's, we're we're buying it," and I was like, "Oh hell yeah, please do, and please tell all your friends." But uh, so but yeah, so you guys have been you know part of this journey. 
I mean, since the very, very beginning, you know, and if, if it wasn't for people like, you know, you too, like it wouldn't have worked, you know, because it's, you kind of take a risk with anything, of course. Right. And, uh, and you guys, you know, yeah. I guess took a chance and lucky for us, it, it was a good, good gamble, I guess. <laughs> it came at a good time for us because we were making the transition to a paleo lifestyle from a dietary standpoint. And we used to eat a lot of ice cream and it was it's legitimately good. My, my, at the time, six-year-old son w- would eat it up. Like it was going out of style, you know, and if you can get, if you can get a kid to eat ice cream that doesn't have sugar in it. I feel like you're, you're definitely on the right track. Huge win, you know, that, that's a huge win. And, uh, and you know, it's, he, here's the deal guys, you know, like our, our product went through like many phases, you know, like we, we kind of thought like, Hey, we're making this ourselves. We, you know, when we manufacture this, it'll just be like a one-to-one, you know, like you just, if you need five eggs to make 10 pints of ice cream, you probably just, you know, to make a thousand pints of ice cream, you just go, you know, five times a thousand. I mean, it's going to translate easy, right? Which, you know, it's not, it's not the case. And and so, you know, we, we went through many rounds of where we were running ice cream, you know, that was, you know, looking back, it wasn't, it wasn't what we wanted. It was fine, you know, but it just wasn't what we wanted. And simply because, you know, ice cream is so scientific, like it is like you, I mean, if you would, I don't even fucking understand ice cream, right? That's why we, we like hired a scientist to understand ice cream for us. And, you know, the reason why ice cream has sugar and so many different, you know, trash ingredients is because of its scientific state, right? Like, so people will make normal ice cream and it just never turns out the way it does, uh, never turns out the way they want it to. And so the way they fix that is like add sugar, add preservative, add gum, and then you get a product that, you know, everybody's used to add shelf. But we, so when you take that away, make an ice cream, like, I guess, normal ice cream, I call it, because it's just like, it's ice cream the way it was probably invented, you know, no sugar ice cream is so difficult to make. And, you know, we've, we've worked with manufacturers that are like, we've been making ice cream for a hundred years, we can do it. And it's like, those guys were just the worst, you know, like they would make ice cream for us. And we're just like, dude, we can't put this on the shelf. Like, are you guys crazy? Like, like I wouldn't like you would have to give me $100 to eat this you know like just just no way in the world like this like sucks doesn't even describe it and uh, you know and and it's it's been a a really crazy journey like you know we you know and 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 I only work the marketing and sales it's really you know Susan that you know she runs the uh you know R&D and production and operations and you know I've gone to one production run where we ran ice cream and it was so fucking stressful. I had a panic attack and I like, I blacked out on the floor. Like I knew exactly like I will never, ever, ever come to another production run. It is like, like, I don't know if you've ever seen like a YouTube video of like traffic in India without traffic lights, how it's just so crazy, but it works, you know, yeah. like that's what it's like to make ice cream. And I was like, hell no, like this is no, no, no not ever coming back and uh and yeah you know now we feel like you know the ice cream's gotten to a point where you know we actually just ran some ice cream last week guys and it i listen this is a big statement i'm about to make but it is without a doubt the very best ice cream on the planet not just in the space of no sugar ice cream but susan and her team have cracked the code whatever that might have been and made ice cream i mean Listen, man, I don't care. You put us up to, to anybody, maybe not Ben and Jerry, simply because like that is a class on its own, but anybody else and we'll take them head on and I'll tell you right now, we'll win every time. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So how do you how where's the name Mammoth Creameries come from? Oh yeah, I that's man, you know, Susan's not here, otherwise she would just shut my laptop immediately because <laughs> the the true origin story of the name is is not something that I'm allowed to share. You know, and like as we grew, I actually had to sign some papers stating that I would never state it because it's just so wildly inappropriate. So we, you know, so what you know what Susan's version of the story would be is just like, you know, like as we're, you know, so we had a product for a long time without a name. And, you know, as we're kind of figuring out, you know, like what, what should this be called again? You know, I, I took a quick hike because again, I have absolutely no smarts. I was like, I don't know, this could be anything, you know, and that's stupid. I don't know. So, but, you know, Susan kind of came up with it and, you know, her thought was like, well, you know, the mammoth represents a lot of things about us in our life, but also, you know, as far as this product goes. And so I was like, well, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know? And she's like, well, think about it. like the mammoth, you know, from what we know about mammoths, you know, like they're, they're herd animals, you know, mammoth will have children and family that they will stick with for their entire life, you know? So that, that kind of representative of our family, we got four kids and yes, you know, one is off to college, but you know, we're still like, she comes home all the time. We still go on vacation. Like we're, we're tight, right? Like we are probably tighter than your average family, potentially a little bit too tight because, you know, it's sometimes a little bit suffocating. But uh, but besides that, then you kind of just look at the mammoth as like, well, it lives, you know, it lived during the ice age, you know, like, which is obviously representative of ice cream because it's cold. And the mammoth itself represents a lot of the product because it's like this massive animal that is just, you know, that most of its body is, is hair and fat, you know, and not so much the hair part, but the fat part for our product <laughs> is just like a great, a great description of, of what we're what, what we're after, you know. And, and the size of the mammoth is a representative of, of the impact that we're going to have in the world of healthy eating. You know, it's going to be mammoth impact because we're going to change people's lives without them really even knowing, right? Like the way we like to talk about our product now, now that it's just like so amazing, it's like we are better for you food that doesn't taste like better for you food. And if you don't know what that means, go eat a spoonful of Nutella and then go eat, you know, a Quest bar and you tell me what's better for you food. I think it'll be really easy to find, you know, figure out which one is quote unquote better for you. But now imagine if you can have a product that is, you know, and it doesn't even matter. Like it is, I mean, scientifically proven, you can ask any doctor, you know, that's not a quack, like, you know, eating, eating high fat. I mean, it's, it's good for you. It just doesn't matter. And so, but what if you can eat healthy, but you know, it doesn't necessarily taste like it's a healthy thing, right? I don't know. It seems that there are a lot of people that's what they're looking for when they want to live a better lifestyle. They're not willing to sacrifice some of that, you know, not necessarily convenience, but just like what they're used to, you know? And and I think we've, we've, I always say we've, but really Susan has figured out how to crack that code. And it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. You know, I've been eating, you know, I eat a lot of ice cream, obviously, but especially since this last run of ice cream, I mean, two pints a day and I, you know, which is not healthy simply because it's just way too much, but it's just like, it has become a product that is just so next level. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're into, even if you're not healthy, you know, even if you're like, Hey, I love banging out these 20 Marlboro lights with this Coca-Cola, I guarantee you, you're going to eat that product and you're going to be like, damn, mammoth cream is legit, you know? (laughs) Perfect. Despite what the true origin story is, Tim, I think you are an excellent champion of the brand culture and ethos. (laughs) And I just want to know, what's your favorite flavor? Man, um, so for a long time, it was a chocolate peanut butter. Um, you know, like 
born, I was born and raised in Germany. And so like, I did not grow up with peanut butter, which is hard to believe, but I, I just didn't. The only time we'd have peanut butter as children is like my dad would go to America to do work and he'd come back and bring a jar of peanut butter. And we we're like, hell yeah, America's the greatest country in the world. <laughs> peanut butter's the best. You know, we're like, we live in this little town in Germany. It's like, we are so cool, you know, because my dad went to America and brought back American peanut butter. And uh, so, cho- you know, like, so when we started to come, I was like, Sue, please make chocolate peanut butter. And she did. And it's just amazing. But uh, we just launched a bunch of new flavors. And uh, I, it, it's really tough because all three of them are just, I mean, you know, get ready for liftoff. Amazing. But I think it is a butter pecan uh. that, uh, that we just launched that is just, I mean, it is stupid good. You know, if there is such a thing as something being too good, like too delicious, I think that is it. Uh, Where awesome. can we find butter pecan? Yeah, so uh, so it is brand new. So the first truck was actually just picked up last Friday and is en route to the West Coast uh, in in Texas and surrounding areas. We'll you'll be able to get butter pecan come June. But for you two guys, you know, since we do have a little bit of a previous relationship, I'd be I'd be happy, you know, to to put some in the mail and send your way. Oh yeah, that would be amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, totally. We'll we'll do it. And so is, uh, can we expect Mammoth Creameries at Sky Island again this year? I mean, if you guys will have us, we, we'd love to be there, you know, oh. when a uh, little, little secret here, this has, you know, Susan hasn't, hasn't seen this yet, but she will, as soon as we have our next meeting with uh, our CFO, I actually, you know, to, to register for Sky Island and, you know, pay for the hotel, I used the, you know, the company credit card. And, you know, because I was just like, I'm going to just play this off and tell her that we're going to sponsor the event. So, That's right. You know, if you, would, if you would have us, Jason, you would make my life come tomorrow at one o'clock. <laughs> Wait, you have it in recording now, Tim. Perfect. <laughs> well, it's all good, you know. It's, as long as we also have it on recording that, you know, I was right all along and that sponsorship opportunity was there all along. I think we're all right. <laughs> <laughs> You knew it from the beginning. Never had a doubt. Well, I, I had a feeling. You know, that, that one year that we sponsored, the response was really good. You know, all the people loved it. You know, we brought so much product, you know, simply because, you know, I don't even know why. But I was like, yeah, you know, we're going to take a bunch of this back. And like, you know, there was nothing to take back. You know, I mean, everybody, everybody loved it. So it's, uh, yeah, we, we'd love to do it. And, you know, let's do it. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you for the man. You you live a passionate life, man, and a brave life, and uh, a, a very open to to creation and and like improvement and and bettering things in yourself. And, and that, I, I appreciate these this insight, man. And it's very inspirational. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, you know, it's it is it is what it is. You know, the the one thing I've been learning, you know, especially since having an an, an excess amount of children, is just like. <laughs> can't pretend to be somebody that you're not. You just got to take wood to punches. Well, that's a brilliant note to end on. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on and sharing your story with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, if you did, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at The Run Beyond Experience.